If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parisha as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings and welcome to Windows in Your Mind. Brought to you by the Law of Attraction Radio Network, the work and genius of our beautiful jewels. This is Parisha, your host of Windows in Your Mind, a present time journey into the imaginal realm of reality. This show encompasses the wonders of who we are, a humanity of divine origins. Present time brings us to new frontiers of an intergalactic conversation, and we, beloveds, need to know. What's being said? We're looking through a window into the evolving of consciousness, seeking, exploring the mysterious nature of the illusion we call matter, energy, space, and time, and how we individually perceive and measure the experience of it. Join me today on Windows in Your Mind as we explore a broad range of topics in the discovery of our place in the cosmos. We explore the realization of a quantum as the bridge, and coherence as our reality. As we reveal and validate the wisdom of our ancient beginnings as time before time and ancient futures, we exist in the field of infinite possibilities. So let's explore. Hello, fellow star seeds. We're going to talk about all that on today's program. So get a beverage of your choice, get comfortable, and let's journey into the windows in your mind. It's a great time to be in the earth. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network, heard by millions worldwide through 38 internet radio stations and in over 135 countries. Be sure to sign up for your monthly updates and get all the latest information on LOA radio events, such as cruises, workshops, and seminars, as well as information on the latest shows, topics, and guests. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up today. It's here. It's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. 
Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite law of attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. It's great being with you again. And again, I want to welcome you to Windows in Your Mind. And this is your host, Parisha speaking. And I have so much wonderful things going on and so much great response from all of you listeners that are now coming on to Facebook and actually voicing some of your responses to some things that we've discussed, as well as giving a tremendous amount of great information on your own. In fact, some of you actually should have your own radio show because you have a wealth of information to share and a whole lot of great things that can make a difference in this world. So I want you to know I deeply appreciate you and appreciate that you come find me on Facebook. And that would be the abbreviation of Venerable, V-E-N, dash, and then the P-A, dash, R-I-S, dash, H-A. And that's my Facebook. Please join me and bring more attention to some of the things that you know and that you want to share. And believe me, we, we push it out in the many thousands of emails that go out every day. So, again, I want to say I appreciate all that you're giving us and all that you're sharing. So today what I'm going to do is actually bring a lot of the responses and interest that has come in from the fact that I've shared with you over the last couple of programs that a lot of my immediate focus right now and the activities that our organization, the Learning Center for Human Development, is actually involved in is actually doing any assistance that we can possibly give as well as staying very much on top of the human trafficking situation in our world as well as slavery. Slavery is not something of our past. It is still very, very much part of what the present time is. So when we get into looking at what we the after effects of what we're calling uh, the human trafficking situation, okay, we we see that there's really uh, more need, I guess we could say, you know, because there's still, there's already a lot being done. This is not about at all saying that there's not something in effect, okay, there is. But a lot of the things that we're getting back is, is how the after effects are not dealt with and how maybe the actual line of therapy or, uh, what do you want to call it, Re, you know, deprogramming and whatever else we can, the names that we can give to the process of bringing a person back off of such a, an experience, if they even survive it, you know. The other part of it is, is that uh, sometimes I've had families actually say and, and read reports where families are saying, maybe the, the more humane or the kinder thing could have been that, that maybe this child had not survived what has what they have undergone and listen some of it's pretty horrific so i don't make any judgment of anybody who would say anything like that i mean uh i don't know that in our safe little world with our 9 to 5 lives and stuff like that that many can actually relate to what a person suffers and goes through okay in these particular circumstances so 
uh, let's be very light on making any judgment on that part. Um, in fact, one of the things that I got a terrific response was something I posted on Facebook, which was actually saying, how, you know, how can we expect people to do it different when they don't know any better? How can we say what they did was wrong when we know in, in sincerity that they did not know any better? So we, we want to really come back to saying, you know, there's greater solutions than blaming and passing judgment. Okay, and, and for me, that is definitely how and what I strive for in life. Um, so some of the stuff that we want to discuss tonight, like I said, is not the happiest stuff, but I think it's truth and sometimes raw truth has to be, this has to be spoken. And, and I like to say that when we take our journey on windows in your mind, we have to talk about the universal part of our lives, and that's including everything, in fact, sexuality, okay? So some of the young people who actually come in off of this or who have been introduced into early sex through incest or, you know, whatever, um, they come, they come to such levels of guilt that it's hard for them to get past whatever it is they've been involved with because of the moral standard that society holds on it. And the fact that even in, in as much work as I do with women's issues and uh, women's role in this world, you know, that I can say a whole lot of things are very prejudiced and biased in how they reflect to rape and a woman's situation in that, okay? And so we've kind of come to today saying that rape exists no matter what the woman's done as far as evoking or whatever they're saying that she has done. That if a woman says no, and the man persists, it's right. But they're still leaving that element that women are blamed in as much as they were seductive or they did something seductive or, you know, it wasn't the man's fault that he couldn't control himself after a certain point. Whatever all of that is, okay? It's obvious that we still don't have a relaxed, intelligent way of reflecting and looking at these things. So some of the things I've watched in my youth as far as how my grandmother and the traditional uh, perspective that she held as a Cherokee and as a, a, a Native person, especially one that was consulted often and was actually did counseling and stuff for families. One of the things that has stuck very close to my heart is the early education and understanding of our sexuality. And for years, I early part of my career, I would actually speak and talk to these things. And in many cases, I would get a lot of negative feedback from churches and some people's perspectives who felt that talking about such things openly and with such straightforward uh, reflection isn't healthy or acceptable. So I don't share that. I believe that if and until we are really open to be very point blank on what sex is and to actually know how 
how we as a being interacts with that energy and what we do with it and the emotional ties to it and everything else. We aren't, we, we're not really capable of helping a young person deal with being part of this human trafficking as well as sexual incest and introduction to sex at very early ages. And beloveds, what I'm looking at is the, you know, these particular situations are brought into a little girl and a little boy's life anywhere from the age of 18 months to 14, 15, 16 years of age. And some are pretty, I would say, in my own mind, I've not seen any statistics on this, but that around four years old is a very uh, uh, popular age. It seems that this is when children in homes and stuff like that, fathers will start messing with their daughters or a relative starts messing with uh, one of the younger children around four years old. And here, here's what's really not easy for me, okay? All right, I, I have a very healthy perspective on sex as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, I, I mean, it's my own point of view, but I do have one. And what I'm looking at is, okay, sex is so natural to us. It is, it is a part of our evolutionary biological process. And babies, I've watched children, you know, and helping in families and stuff, children, little babies that can sit up in the bathtub and actually help, you know, hold themselves up. I don't, I'm not talking about newborns that you have to hold very carefully in water, but, you know, young infants that once they discover any part of their sexual organs, it becomes a major attraction. Okay, we, they automatically will resonate to more discovery. You know, they get more curious. They, they feel, they touch, you know, they're experiencing. And so usually what parents do, healthy parents, is to find other interests, detract, you know, to detract from that interest, to get them pulling away to something else, okay? But in the case of incest, or early childhood introduction to sex. One of the things that doesn't seem to be discussed openly enough with such a situation is the fact that these children are going to react with the real, the real world reaction to that. They're going to like it. Unless they're being abused, and I mean physically, painfully hurt, okay? or they are scared, have been made to be very, very afraid. And even in the face of fear, they can't, no one can actually block out the actual stimulation of sexual uh, interplay unless there's a, a, a severe situation of fear in it. And then there's probably a frozenness or the many case histories show, you know, some some very, very definite reactions to it. The point I want to dwell on is that in most cases where a child is introduced to sex early and it is what someone cares or somebody actually involved in the sex play, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, even a one-year-old is going to react favorably to that sexual stimulation. Okay, there's nothing in that child's head at this point 
that it shouldn't be morally accepted because a father, near blood relative, you know, uh, a loving neighbor, uh, an older, whoever, whatever, so on. And in cases where there has been females who have actually introduced female children into early sex play, the child's role in that is of pure innocence in raw nature. They're going to like it. It's going to stimulate them. They're going to seek it. They're going to involve themselves deeper in it. And it's only when they, like in the, the case histories where children have been involved sexually with part with their partner uh, for several years, you, you know, in some families where the incest has gone on from the age of three or four up until the young person is 14, 15 years old. And usually in the cases I've studied and, and read about, by that time, the young person themselves have come to some level of understanding of how incorrect or inappropriate this is. And they kind of do back the parent or the whoever, back them down and pull out, okay? In some cases that I've watched and had to work with, it goes on into adulthood. Um, three, four years ago, I worked with a case with a woman who was in her 50s. And after we had been working on her situation for about three, four years, her father finally died. But up until he died, he was still pursuing her for sexual favor. So this is a whole lifetime, you know. How, however can we expect that in a situation like that, this, this woman could ever have hopes of a real marital relationship with, with a mate? That she had many lovers throughout this period of time was true, but they, it never became a stable relationship, okay? And working with children, it's the first thing that happens when I get involved with it, is I start teaching them the natural inclinations we have with our sexuality. And the way I have been taught it and how I visited it, okay, is that in our early childhood, we actually have the experiences of being children. And then there is a, an explaining what that is, the early childhood uh, learnings of how we, you know, we move from this phase to this phase, we get coordination, then we actually go into this phase and we're doing this. And there is the evolutionary process of being a child. And then we come to a certain age as that child, and we enter in what I actually call from what my grandmother taught me, uh, let's use a little girl. Then she becomes the woman child, which means at this point in time, somewhere in there, she starts her menses and her moon cycles. And so she's going to have hormonal reactions, okay? And she's going to have outward stimulation from, from, you know, if any of you can remember your childhood, it could be when you're taking a bath. It could be when cloth runs across the front of your nipples. It can be, it can be a pair of pants that's actually rubbing, uh, you know, any, the clitoris or anything in, in a, a way that 
sets off the feelings that we then react to. So a woman child can begin to experience that. She also has to go through the understanding of our, as those hormones come into play, how she needs to take care of herself and the things that she needs to know at that point. So that's, that's, that's the maturing phase for a girl. And then we become woman. And when we become woman, it's when our sexual life and our sexual endeavors begin. And so by the time we get to this woman phase of our evolution, we are prepared and our body is prepared, our cellular mass is prepared for the intensity of sexual stimulation. Okay, now let's go back to that being a child of about two years old that starts being sexually stimulated. And hopefully, and in, in, in a lot of cases, it is introduced gently. Uh, the, the male will actually introduce the sexual play first with just finger touching and, and finger manipulation. And as the child progresses with that, then and only then do they actually go into sexual penetration. But all this time, understand, here's this child whose body has now begun to boil with the fires of passion and the reaction to that sexuality, which is intense. You know that, and I know that's intense in those years. Okay? And that's all this child knows. You know, there, there's no moral standard here for this child. You know, there's no understanding of, of anything other than if this is a parent that they love or a relative that they know that makes them feel an important person in life, not just a sexual partner. There's all kinds of emotional attachments at this time. And then this child goes into coming into these evolutionary cycles prematurely. The, the woman child never gets to be the woman child where just through her own emotional understanding and, and, and her thinking and her, her moving in evolution that she handles it without it being in a partnership or through stimulation. She's, she's missed that. Okay, she's gone from child to woman. And what happens, no matter how good the system is, there's guilt put on her for that. And there's nothing on, on this side of heaven, beloveds, that can stop that reaction and that pleasurable response because it is natural. And when we don't take time with young people who have begun at that point, when we're making them feel bad, there's nothing more heartbreaking to me than talking to a young person, somewhere around 10 years old, sometimes it's the ones I talk to and 12s and 14 year olds, that don't have this very low life opinion of themselves because of how the right and wrong of this has been introduced. How the the morals of this have been put upon them. Ah, this is so unhealthy. This is so, so not natural. I don't care if you want to see this as our animal instincts or however you want to look at it. Here's the facts of that. That stimulus is natural and is a part of us as human. 
And the only thing wrong with it is just how it's being handled, if there's a wrong here at all. And so instead of explaining the physiological situation that has taken place and its emotional effects and helping a young person understand the chemistry of that, the hormonal chemistry of that, so that they can understand themselves in a healthy, factual way. You're going to break that person's confidence in this world to such a level. They're never going to be all right. One of the things I love in what uh, Jack Canfield shared at a program that I spoke at and, and pre presented at with him is, is that he said that all of the women in the audience that had chronic obesity problems were women who had had ancestral sexual introduction into their life. And there was not a woman in, in the room that disagreed. Because it's that common. It's that real. It's just, it isn't discussed in, a, in a, an outward, factual way that, that we deal with it. It's an uncomfortable situation. It's a, we don't talk about those things. And, and uh, okay, this is not the appropriate conversation. And all this other stuff that we put on it, how ridiculous that is. It is one of the most normal and natural parts of our whole life. And we're, we don't have an appropriate time to talk about it. You know, so for me, it's like when I'm talking to these young people and I'm explaining to them how I understand their situation, they become so comfortable and so relieved there isn't anything they won't share. And my understanding of that sharing is the more they can talk about it, the more charge they take off of it. So it's not charged with all those emotional bad things and things. And, and when, when the, the young people say to me, so you don't believe that I'm dirty? Oh, my God, that goes right to my heart. And, and some of them will say, so you don't believe that I'm sinful and evil? What are we doing? What have we done that a child that has had this experience would end up at that point of it. And I deal with the adults as well. The fathers, the family members, the mothers, the, the whoever's that has introduced in the incestual level of this. And somehow or another in the human trafficking outcome to this, if the children actually make it through, there's still the, the denial in the family that in most cases, if it has been any period of time, unless, again, the child was put into a sadistic situation of where they were brutally mistreated, okay? And even then, even then we realize that there's still an affinity and an attachment to the person who has actually gone through all of this with their abuser and with their rapist, okay? So there's just, you know, there's just this lack, as far as I'm concerned, this lack of intelligence that's brought to this. And, you know, that we come to all of our judgments on it, and then we come to where we, we understand 
that we're trying to say this person is the victim and this person, you know, is, is the abuser. And then with what we're saying with the victim is we're not, we're, we're telling them that we believe they're exempt of any occurrence of this and that, you know, that they were totally had no choices, that they had no involvement there, you know, there's, there's no actual recognition that this person, regardless of the situation, and we already know that's the circumstances when we come into abusive marriages where a woman stays with an abusive man who beats the holy tar out of her at least on a weekly basis, okay? She's still going to stay. She's still involved. She's still emotionally tied to that relationship and that person. We don't understand that then when it comes to a situation of rape or where a person has been taken into captivity and held away from any familiar early childhood circumstances and becomes involved in being whatever this person's version of a partner is. They and and what you know, there's just so many stories in that. We're not gonna go into all those. Okay. But the outcome of that is the discussion. That w- you know, we have to then be willing to talk to this person with very factual, intelligent understanding that there is no reason for them to feel they're bad and that they are scarred for life or whatever unless we put those scars on them with blaming or with some some sense of trying to make them innocent of the circumstances when they don't feel innocent because they realize even knowing that it was wrong there was still sexual stimulus and there's no way that they could deny that sexual stimulus there's no reason why they should okay but instead of us talking about that and understanding the physiology of that and and giving them the actual science of all of what that happens and how that's come about and that they should actually understand in themselves that these were reactions that are natural and normal. Now, normal in as much as how the body's going to react to the stimulus. We're not trying to say normal in the fact that they were put into those circumstances. And then we can separate the circumstances or whatever is not acceptable in these circumstances to their reaction and their history of involvement in their own personal sexual reaction to this. Now, I, you know, I've kind of gotten off on this because you guys have been sending me you know, all of this mail and stuff that I'm getting because of your interest in it. And a lot of you sharing, you've been in these situations and you're still trying to hide from it and still are hoping that nobody knows about it, and then whoever the family member is that you were involved with still continue to think that they can take privilege with you. So you're constantly running, hiding out, dodging, and trying to keep a secret that makes you feel dirty, makes you feel somehow, you know, that you're you're no longer confident of being somebody that you can be in relationship with somebody else you know when I hear that all I can say to you with all my heart that I truly truly see where you could possibly ever get 
past that would be to finally see your own role in it as one that is natural. That reaction of being receptive to it, not really being, you know, wholly against it after a period of time, just actually knowing that you look forward to that. There isn't a human being that has ever experienced sexuality that does not know that draw and does not know that fire and that passion. The circumstances become disturbing, yes. But they should still be discussed. They should still be put in the right particular order of how it all folds and what is and what is not to be carried on or how we agree with the moral standards of it. We still have to admit, as human beings, we can react to any level of sexual stimulus with pleasure, and it's normal. Beloveds, human beings introduce themselves in in activities with animals. We masturbate. We actually have sex with ourselves, okay? So there's just so many variances here that have to be considered before we start actually just totally destroying a person's life after they have been involved in incest or in any kind of sexual captivity. And to do that, we must allow them the privilege of knowing that maybe their own satisfaction, them having a climax, did not damn them to be forever evil and wrong. And until we can clarify that in ourselves until we can actually discuss that as openly as I'm talking to you on radio. I don't know how we will ever be able to actually have healthy relationships, whatever we even call normal healthy relationships, for goodness sakes. Our sexuality seems to be wrapped around so many religious reflections on it, as well as moral and social issues with it. And yet we have young people running around actually feeling and becoming involved with sex at very, very early ages now, just through school and just, you know, what we would consider, I guess, as close as we can consider, normal social activities. Where girls are feeling that if they're still a virgin after they're 14 or 15 years old, there's something wrong with them? I mean, give me a break here. Really? And, and and it's just the lack of communication. It's just the lack of, of sitting down and giving audience to this and, and uh, letting it be something that's not taboo. You know, it's it's something that you can discuss with. And, you, and listen, for all of us in the families who are running around this world feeling that you're some normal family, how open are you discussing that attachment, that reaction, and that whole physiology with your young people. You know, why Why is there an age? It's like in working in a school system to where I'm working with 8 and 11-year-olds. And somewhere in that is, you know, usually the time when female, a great number of female children come to having their menses and start ministration at that time. And to realize that when it comes up, families have reactions to the school and the school nurses that try to actually start introducing the girls to what they what the next step is going to be and what will be coming up. You know, what, what, what phase that they're going to go in. 
And this is so crazy to me. It's like, why would you want her to be prepared? Many, many girls have shared, okay, that they came into their men's time. They did not know anything about it. They had never seen, a, a, you know, a cotex that mom left laying around or anything else to where she'd have to explain that this is a cycle that she goes through or anything. And nobody's mentioned it. And they run around trying to hide it. And they think they're dying and they're terrified. In today's world, I mean, what is it saying to us? All right, and and that we, you know, we're we're not allowing children to openly show their curiosities of the opposite sex anatomy, you know. And look at TV. I mean, the young people I'm talking to who are the same children that you live on this planet with are watching the same TV programs you are. And how much introduction are they getting to sex just by watching what you're calling normal TV or movies? But we're not talking about it. We're not the ones that they can bring their questions to. And then we wonder why, you know, we have teenagers out there having sex parties because they're the only ones that they can talk to. And their curiosity is as great as the next one's curiosity and we just keep perpetrating this. And so... The, just basically looking at your reaction to what I introduced you to and told you, you know, please do what you can to assist in, in any way helping us totally, totally bring down the numbers of how many children and how many people are being brought into to human trafficking. And it still comes back to something I looked at good 30 years of my career to where I was talking to couples. I was talking to married couples who were having sexual problems because they could not discuss it with each other. Women not knowing how to bring a man to pleasure. Man not knowing exactly what her erroneous zones are and what she's expecting. And that we know more about dancing with each other than we do about having sex with each other. We know that we can do the rumba because we have to move this way or that way. We know we're going to waltz if we do this, if we do that. But we don't know what the movements are that pleasures each other. And these aren't things we should talk about. A man's supposed to know. A woman is supposed to know. Really? Who taught them? Who talked to them? How was it ever discussed and communicated? What I love about my tradition is how open... The women talked to us as girls, how open the grandfathers were to tell us the politeness that a man must show in respecting a woman. I mean, there are some things that are just missing from the social level of how we interact as human beings, and it's not intelligent. It's lacking of communication. It's lacking of the education to have that communication. You know, I still talk to women that just that are that have gone through menopause. I mean, I'm 74 now, and talking to some of the younger women who actually are coming up into menopause and going through all these emotional reactions to menopause. And 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 you know, the beauty of it is so many of them are into the spiritual things that we can do and we have available to us that's that's openly respected these days and in this time yoga and you know just just 
just meditation and a, just a lot of the wonderful body work that we can have done and stuff that, you know, could be definitely a wonderful experience for a woman going through menopause. And then helping her and her partner discuss the emotional and personality changes that sometimes comes with this. Helping her partner, her life partner, I mean, people who've been married 20, 30 years, you know, starting to feel they're in the house with a stranger. They don't know this person anymore because this person's scared to death to talk to them about things that they're feeling now and not understanding what their reaction will be or already fathoming that they will have a reaction, a negative one at that. I mean, this is just the world that we're in. And, you know, my solution for that is, okay, how openly do you talk about that? I, I know in my own marriage, uh, I'll be celebrating 40, I think it's 44 years, 45 years. I'm not even sure. I mean, I think I've been married 40, 44 years now. Okay. And the phases that of physiological changes that my husband and I have gone through, starting out in our relationship with tremendous sexual activity and very frequent sexual activity. And that going on through a number of years and different things cropping up and a health situation here and something else there and so forth and on. And you cannot live free and liberated through any of those experiences without communication, without sitting with each other you know, under no other circumstances other than wanting to openly with the full heart share how you feel and, and what you're experiencing and, and uh, maybe even the bewilderment of that being totally strange to you now. Okay, and, and having, you know, having the backup, you know, the, the sharing, having, having the relating that happens in a relationship. And and just looking at how how some of these people have been frozen in situations for years now because there's been no discussing of, you know, how he's reacted to something that's gone on with him and maybe he's having some erectile situation and instead of letting you know that he starts ignoring you and turning away and all of a sudden you feel there has to be another woman or whatever. There, that's far more common than you possibly could understand unless you're experiencing it. And and just all of these things that we do. You know, it's just it's just the lack of, of us actually saying, okay, our sexuality is a part of nature, the very nature of ourselves. We're religiously taught in many circumstances that it's the evil of us, that it's it's the work of the devil and that we have to control it and that it's only supposed to be take place because of this or that. And and the word pleasure's never entered into any of that. It's just either that it's for productive, reproductive purposes or whatever, whatever. Okay. And that never is normal. You know, we have read case history after case history here of people who are in the clergy or in some other position that are supposed to be celibate. Celibacy is not natural. 
and how how one is dealing with it for whatever their reasons for practicing it needs to be understood and needs to have its place and purpose in it and then that person can use those particular choice or policies of choice to guide their behavior as well as to stay true on purpose or whatever okay but when we're coming to where none of that is in play, and I really don't want to get into that because I'm sure I'll get a lot of response on my Facebook about that too, but at the same time, to know that that sexual fire is part of the very natural being that we are as humans. And that there are all these circumstances that get involved in it. And whether it be what we're all very uncomfortable with is the premature and early introduction of it into a child's life or into the later situation when a young person comes of certain ages to where those inclinations become stronger again. So that would be in the young teenage years and stuff. You know, I don't see that society has answers that are helping any level and phase of these particular evolutionary processes to where they're intelligently being practiced and used. Young people don't understand the anatomy, the physiology, and the biology as well as the emotional level of these things. Yes, they know that you can get pregnant. Yes, they know that there's an ejaculation. Yes, they understand a climax, you know. Yeah, okay. But do they know that there are ways within themselves to maintain their own personal power and bring this about into an initiation level of their own? To where they actually initiate it into a level of their life to where it becomes a sacred act? So, you know, so much of this, and I know I've been rattling on, and we're pretty close to our hour, but... I just want to say to you, I appreciate very much all of the interest and uh, the questions that you've asked is, you know, what is this and how come this is going on? And, and I celebrate all of you who've said, you know, grandmother, how can I help? Okay, how can I assist? And a lot of that assistance is just this, communicate, talk about it, get, 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 stuff out in the open so people can see it and understand it. It's the hidden, it's the secretive stuff. It's this, the shaming that goes on. It's the blaming and the judgment. It's the making everything wrong. Everything is wrong with it. Well, there are some things that may very well not be desired with it for sure, but the actuality of what takes place in the sexual interaction and the pleasure that it does come to be has to be respected, has to be understood as normal, and has to be introduced to people in any of these situations to where they're not made ashamed, they do not feel they have sinned, and they do not, they do not feel that they are dirty and enough no use. So how you know how do we do that? Well you again Communicate, please communicate. You know, put yourself into that and understand your own sexuality. Um, the questions that I get 
is is just so varied in interest and in need that I hope everything that I've discussed here tonight have has at least touched on and answered most of what you have responded to those particular sharings with. Here's what I want you to understand as far as what I believe, and I'm not asking you to believe it, I'm just explaining myself to you. I understand sexual climax as being the actual raising of the kundalini. Kundalini being the natural fire and an actual process of energy rising through us rising from the very root chakra or the base where our productive organs are right up through major glandular systems and systems in our body that are stimulated. And that there's science and, and biology and physiology that we can prove all of that, that there is these stimulations and these rising of, of vibrations, okay? And that in that... I don't care what your circumstances are. Again, unless there is the infliction of very tremendous pain. And please understand this. There are people who actually are stimulated sexually through pain. Whatever those programs are. Okay? But that the most natural thing in us is to move to that sexual pleasure. Okay? The appropriate times the appropriate phases, an appropriate being, meaning, you know, not all nine-year-olds are at the same time. Not, you know, not all eight-year-olds are, eight are, are at any level equal to the other. You know, there's just all these individuals and their various age ranges that some of these things come into being that phase of their process and evolution. But we have to be willing to prepare them with the education and the knowledge of what is going on inside their cellular mass. And that takes studying, and that takes reading, and that takes application, and that takes understanding. I, I definitely am an incurable optimist. And I just truly believe that even those who abuse... And we have that little cliche that says the abuser, the abused becomes the abuser. And that we pass it on that way. I truly believe that if we study and understand, if we educate, if we can openly with pure factual confidence discuss these things, that we can even heal that, that we can change that, uh, that abused one to being the abuser. We can we can change that. They don't have to abuse or don't have to follow the patterns or act it out again. And in I hope with all my heart that you take time to talk to your loved ones. You know, even in circumstances of relationships that I've told you about. How is it that we can be with a partner for any amount of time? without good communication. How we start up relationships in the first place is usually very deceitful. You know, in working with relationships and understanding that people lie to each other in the startup of relationships. People pretend to be whatever their perfect image is that they want somebody else to believe. And realize the high percentages of relationships that get started basically 
on the actual holding to those lies and deceptions. And then we move from that to expecting to build a relationship of which is built is supposed to be on respect and trust. I don't believe a relationship can be healthy at all without respect and trust. And so then, then that in itself becomes some level of abuse. So I just see this kind of circle of things to where all these different cycles of situations actually have now led into a very global effect where we have human trafficking, that there are people who believe that as long as there's a good profit in it, we can just take children from their homes and we can just put them into a sexual market and all of the the absolute very warped particulars that are being acted out with this. How, how do we ever determine we're going to change it when we can't even discuss it? So that's why I appreciate that you have brought your questions forward and that and I am very grateful for my beautiful friend Jules who, who allows us on LOA to talk and, and bring a lot of things to the very surface of, of humanity. I bless her every day for her work. And I thank you, the listeners, for actually putting yourself in this enough that you're responding and that you're coming forward with your own questions. How can you help and assist, beloveds? is doing what we're doing right now. Let's talk about it. Let's bring it out. Let's, let, let's allow it to be something that's happening that's normal and that we don't have to try and hide it and pretend it don't exist when it's a part of nature's process. Let's do that. And in doing that, let's us become stronger and better and more confident in ourselves as being human. And let us... Let us as adults demonstrate that for our children and our young people who are following and coming forward. And to all of you who are listening, that any of this is personal to you because of effects or situations and circumstances in your own life, please hear the message that I have tried very uh, strongly to put across tonight. Any involvement in any sexual activity will involve eventual pleasure, if not immediate pleasure. And that pleasure is in the activation of the Kundalini. And a climax happens when the Kundalini fires. And that in itself being one of the strongest sacred and spiritual experiences we can have in body. And I believe the taboos that have been put in restriction of that in religions and different people's perspectives is because it is so sacred. And do not judge yourself and let no one else judge you for the fact that your recall on any of these circumstances is that you did enjoy it, that you in those moments participated in it. And wherever you've come to it not being acceptable at whatever point and for whatever reason at this time in your life, know this, you are not less because of it and you are not damaged because of it unless you decide that's what it is. 
and and let no one else's blame be what you wear as shame. What is natural and what will always be natural to us as human is the act of sex and our own sexual pursuits of pleasure. So I'm going to kind of get off of it at this point because we are coming to close. And again, I invite all of you and any of you to please check in with me on Facebook. And you simply need to only look into looking up Parisha, P-A-R-I-S-H-A. And coming to my particular site, you would go to, it's venerable and it's abbreviated by V-E-N. And then it's Parisha, P-A underscore R-I-S underscore H-A. And please check with all the wonderful things that are happening on our radio station here, LOA. And keep up. And until next week, stay pretty much on an, an even level of happiness. Be open to it. Be open to the wondrous perspective of God is in all things. And this is Parisha, your host of Windows in Your Mind. And I look forward to our next conversation next week. Meanwhile, all good things. Thank you for spending your precious time with me. In life, All we will ever do is exchange time for experience. I am with you always and live as memory in your beautiful minds. Hear me on the winds whispering, all good things. Love you, have a great week, and I'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com, P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com.